0: Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit SozoSMTX.com. You know, I know it's not Father's Day. I do know that. That's next week. But I'm trying to get a kind of a jump on Grandfather's Day. Grandpa's day. These are my grandchildren. Let me introduce them to you. Over here on the left, is that a big enough bow? <laughs> that, that is Emmy Jane. She's three months old. This is Laven. Some of you might know Laven James. He is two years old. Yeah. You know, you know uh, on your left there, uh, I, Lisa and I, um, on Wednesday, no, excuse me, Saturday, we, went, we got to babysit Emmy okay, Emmy's three months old. You know what three months old people do? They they sleep and they eat and they poop. And then they repeat. They do it again, right? And so, but here's the thing about Emmy. She can eat, sleep, and poop, and I just love it all. I love her. She's like the best ever. She doesn't have to do anything. She doesn't have to do a thing for me to just Goo and God put her picture on, on Sunday morning for all of you to go, oh, that's Emmy. She's, she had not done anything. Isn't that how God is about us? He goes, you know, I just love you. I love you regardless. I just do. One thing she does do is observe, okay? I love to observe her observing. I mean, she's just kind of looking at everything. She's just taking it in, just soaking life in, It's just unbelievable every time I see her, how much she's soaked in, okay? Now, Laven over here, he's two years old. And somebody say two years old? You you know what two years old looks like. Laven's the one who, uh, when he's in here after the service, he makes a beeline up for the stage, and he's looking for a microphone, okay? it's a little like his daddy. And uh, and his grandpa, he's looking for a microphone. He's looking for drums. He's looking... He's just curious about everything. Lisa and I babysat him on Wednesday, and, and so we had, we had the privilege of putting him to bed. And so uh, I have Laban in my lap, and we're reading Curious George. How many of you remember Curious George? It, curious George goes far enough back that, Ray, you remember Curious George, don't you? Okay, so I remember Curious George and the man in the, in the yellow hat. Well, Ray's a year older than me. I figure if he knew, you know. So. <laughs> One year. Well, you know. You know, I, Billy wasn't here to pick on. So I just, I, you know, I've known Ray a couple of years. And so we're reading Curious George, and I'm thinking, this guy is, that's just Laban. He's just curious about everything. I mean, he's just, everything is new. It's so wonderful. You know, he's just kind of comes alive when he sees anything. You know, if you get him near water, he'll he'll jump in. You know, he, he he's just fearless. He's just but he's there's there's a a hunger to discover, to learn. Well, Jesus talked about this a little bit here. Let's let's take a look at Matthew 18. I, w- I want to show you a passage that's kind of going to be a springboard about what we're going to talk about today. And so Jesus is so he he calls a little one to his side and and, and said to them, who's the them Jesus is talking to? He's talking to his disciples, and he's actually answering a question that they've asked. Anybody have a, a guess what the question is? Yeah, it's, what do you all, what all, when. anytime Jesus would leave the room, it was what they always talked about. Yeah, either who's the favorite or who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? And so Jesus brings this little toddler, a little potty on, literally a toddler, like a two-year-old, Laban size. He brings him into the area and he says to them, the disciples, learn this well unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with wide-eyed wonder of a child you'll never be able to enter into it. Let that sink in. The wide-eyed wonder of a little child, a little two-year-old. What do two-year-olds do? They ask question after question after question after question. They just trust everything, right? They'll crawl up in your lap. They'll listen. They're, They're interesting. They're curious. And he says, listen, unless you become weed, disciples become like a little child with wide-eyed wonder, we won't even be able to enter into the kingdom of God. We won't be able to belong to the kingdom. We won't understand anything about the kingdom of God. It'll be a miserable trip of religion if we don't enter in with the humility of a child. He goes on the next verse and says this. He says, whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest in heaven's realm. So he answers their question, who's the greatest? He said, it's the one who has this attitude like a little child. And so I want us to think this morning, this morning I wanna to talk to you about dangerous wonder. Dangerous wonder. Everybody say dangerous. dangerous. Wonder. How many of you say it? I can use a good dose of wonder, childlike wonder. Okay, you know, I was out, I was out early this morning walking, just walking through my area where I live. And I'm just saying, God, you are wonderful. I'm just, I'm thinking, God, restore to me the wonder of a child. God, I need that. How many of you need that today? It's the entry point to everything in the kingdom of God. And so I wanna say this. If you begin with wonder of childlike faith, you're gonna find yourself in a dangerous position. Okay? Jesus said, come into the kingdom with childlike faith. But how many of you know Jesus is dangerous? Alyssa's the only one who knows that. Jesus is dangerous. Now, when God became flesh and blood, and moved into the neighborhood to be with us, from the very beginning, it starts out with dangerous wonder. Are you with me? So there's a little girl. She's a teenager. She's a virgin. Her name is Mary. And Mary is in love with Joseph. Joseph's a young guy. Joseph's also a virgin. They live in a little town called Nazareth. They a little quieter there. Okay, it's just, this is this <laughs> is lived in Nazareth. Okay, everybody say Nazareth. They lived in Nazareth, and Joseph worked with his daddy for his daddy. His daddy was a carpenter. These guys came from good stock, and everybody in the town said, "Oh, what a cute couple." They're like the cutest couple, aren't they? Look at them. They got it all going. Great families, and they're getting married. The wedding's coming up. Can't wait for the wedding. It's gonna be awesome. They will be our carpenter in town, and she'll do whatever she's gonna do. And it's gonna be great, raising children one day in the future. And then the Bible says, and then an angel appeared. How many? Whenever you see an angel come on the scene, What usually comes out of an angel's mouth? Don't be afraid, fear not. Why does the angel usually say fear not? Because something fearful is about to happen, right? Right, something dangerous is about to happen. Here's Mary and Joseph, they're in this wonder of marriage and bliss. It's gonna be wonderful. And the angel comes and says, listen Mary, Come from heaven, got good news for you. You have found favor with God. Highly favored, Mary. And she's probably thinking, your name again, who are you? And Gabriel begins to give the message. He says, you are going to conceive a child apart from Joseph. The spirit of God's gonna come upon you. You're gonna become pregnant and you're gonna give birth to the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, the savior of the world. Sozo himself, the God who came to save, he'll deliver, make whole. And she's going, uh Let's back up to that. You're going to have a baby apart from my fiance, Joe, right? How many of y'all would say, if I'm so highly favored, you know, you know why am I going to get... So she's, she's stuck with a predicament, isn't she? She's going to have to go and tell her fiance, Joseph, that... Um, Joseph, you know that wonderful wedding we were planning? You remember how we looked so far to the blessing of the community? That nice, predictable life that we would live, you would, you know. Um, And so begins the nightmarish adventure. I mean, let that sink in. That's what is called dangerous wonder. What happens in the rest of the story is she has to tell Joseph, they end up fleeing from their hometown and, they're, and living in exile. And furthermore, they have to deal with the emotional pain of knowing that the birth of their child is gonna cost the life of many innocent babies. That's a dangerous life. It's a dangerous life wonderful life. So Mary and Joseph experience dangerous wonder of following the unpredictable God. How many of you, whenever you describe who God is, what he's like, you describe Jesus, what he's like, would use the word unpredictable? Get it in your vocabulary, Get it in your vocabulary. How many of you know God doesn't do things the way you do things? I do things. God's ways are not our ways, but he's trying to get us to come to his way of thinking and doing. And he says the way that happens is through this wide-eyed, childlike wonder, okay? And so Joseph and Mary, my guess is that they probably never regretted the life that they had together. There's probably times they didn't enjoy it, but they were conduits to change the world. We sit here today because of their, to use Joel's words, because of their obedience, because they danced with God. They took the dance with God in every step of the way. Now, I want you to think for just a minute, if, if, if you want to be like Jesus, well, let me ask you, do you want to be like Jesus? Maybe that's a good starting place. How I many you say, I, I really, I want to be like Jesus, okay? If you know Jesus, you're already halfway there because Jesus living inside of you looks different than you might think because Jesus was a long way from dull and predictable. What would be the indictment of most Christians today? Well, they're pretty dull and predictable, right? They live a pretty safe life. They live a very, yeah, yeah. So whatever whatever picture you have of what dull, predictable, astonishing is not a word that just rolls off the tongue whenever people talk about Christians, is it? Okay? How many of you know that Jesus was astonishing? He was amazing. He was awesome. You know, we use that word awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, you people, that's awesome. Can I tell you, there's really not that many awesome things. (laughs) There's really only one awesome thing. And his name is Jesus. Okay. Jesus is awesome. Okay. It's like a valley girl or something up here. Jesus is awesome. And so, but, but with all comes fear, Right? look at the translations so many times. The awe of the Lord is translated the fear of the Lord. We don't understand that too much. Because see, when Jesus comes on the scene, he is a disruptor. He came from heaven to earth to show us how to live humanly, to be spiritually embodied human beings. But he was dangerous to the religious establishment of the day. Can I say Jesus is still dangerous to the religious establishment today? Jesus was dangerous to the political establishment. Can I say he is still dangerous to the political establishment today? He was dangerous to the social, economic, the whole world, every structure, and the people that even followed him, he was dangerous to them. Right? Why? He would say stuff like this, hey, listen, if you're gonna follow me, Jeff, you're gonna have to forsake your father and your mother, and your wife. Uh-oh, you're gonna have to, and all of this and follow me, right? And everybody go, "Whoa! what, what? Jesus said all kind of stuff, right? That seemed a little, I like what C.S. Lewis says. He's, you remember in the Chronicles of Narnia? You know, the, the Christ-like figure was, Aslan the lion, right? Any, none of y'all read or watch? Okay, all right. So C.S. Lewis, and he says this he says, A not so tame lion. Do you think of Jesus that way as a not so tame lion? He's fearless. It's fearless. A lot of the things I want you to think through your life that you might be going through right now that you've gone through in your life and they're like, wow, this just doesn't make sense. And I just can't see how God of love would allow me to go through. Any of you ever said that? You don't have to raise your hand, but I I guarantee we've all said that. How could a God of love you fill in the blank? It's because he's a God of love, but his love is not a pampering love. It's a perfecting love. Okay, God really wants us to become sons and daughters who carry the kingdom of God in all of its splendor and what it looks like, this wonder that's dangerous. Okay, you see 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 that? That's how that works. It's wonderful, but it's not this pampering kind of Pollyanna love. It's this perfecting love to make us mature in Christ so that we really reflect what he's like can't you just see the little twinkle in Jesus' eye as he comes to town? How many of you ever you watch The Chosen? Don't you love the Jesus on The Chosen? Man, I, that, I, he, you know, he got that little twinkle in his eye, he got that fire in his soul, you know? And he's got this authority and this power that just brings heaven to earth. How many of you know that's what Jesus is looking for in his people today? But I think too many of us have kind of lost that childhood curiosity and we've become tamed. Uh-oh. <laughs> domesticated grownups. God's looking for people who are born free, not domesticated little pussycats. He's looking for people that have the authority and the power of the lion of Judah, the lion of praise flowing through us. So that's a wonderful, dangerous proposition. You know, uh, in, 10 years ago, I, I turned 50 years old and really right before that, the Lord spoke to me and said, Steve, you've lived your life a certain way for the first two thirds of your life. And I'm not saying that I'm gonna croak off at 75, but that's just how it came to me, okay? That the first two-thirds of your life, you've lived a very, and I actually wrote these words down in a journal, very safe, predictable, comfortable with beliefs about God. Yeah, ooh. Safe, predictable, comfortable with your beliefs about God. How many of you would say, in truth, I've lived that way. I have a pretty safe, predictable Comfortable with my truth. And God said, the next next third of your life, I want you to live a wild, unpredictable, uncomfortable with your encounters with God. Okay, so that's 10 years ago. 10 years now, God's saying, okay, it's time to re-up. Time to re-up. We go, from my 60th birthday, Lisa and I go to, Disney World, is there a better place to cultivate dangerous wonder and curiosity than Disney World? I would have said probably, but you could find it somewhere better. But I, I, now, I now say it, it is. That's the place. If you wanna find your wonder again, that's a good place. And the Lord has said, hey, listen, Steve, stay curious. Stay, stay alive, but in order to get that, it's gonna require some danger, okay? So Mary and Joseph, they, they exemplify that. But let, let's fast forward. I am going to tell you one more story. Actually, it's in the Bible. So I'll read it out of the Bible to you and we'll talk about it. So the very beginning, Mary and Joseph, but all throughout the three and a half years that Jesus is with his disciples from 30 to 33-ish in there, they are experiencing what? dangerous wonder looks like, right? I mean, I mean, can you imagine a leper comes into the camp and he's unclean, has to say he's unclean or she has to say they're unclean. And what does Jesus do? He just walks right on over there and just says, hey, hey, Father loves you so do i be healed, right? Just touched them, loved them, hugged them. And everybody's going, what? That's, that's not right. That's not acceptable. You could probably go to jail or maybe even hell for doing that in this world. Don't do that, Jesus. Jesus is sleeping in a boat. He's calm and He's saying, yeah, this is what I do, right? He's feeding, he's doing all these outrageous stuff all the time because he's, he's Jesus. He's Aslan. He's not a tame. Lion. And so the disciples are looking at him and they're thinking, okay. I want us to look at John chapter 11, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, 11 and 12. We'll, we'll look at quite a bit here. And so Jesus is in a place called Beth, Bethabara, okay? It's, it's also called Bethany, Okay. It's interesting, and and you prophetic folks can sort it all out and tell me what's going on here. But so Jesus is with his disciples doing the crazy Jesus revolutionary, distract culture, uh, disrupt things with this kingdom of God message of change your whole way of thinking and trust radically like a child in me and your life will be changed. He's doing that, and so he gets a message. A messenger comes to him and his guys and said, listen, you know, your buddies about 20 miles from here in Bethany, uh, you you know, uh, Mary, Martha, and their brother Lazarus. Mary and Martha have sent me here to tell you Lazarus is in bad shape. In fact, he he could die any moment. They say they know you love him and that you uh, just say, "Tell, tell him to come quick, come quick. So Jesus and his disciples began to have some conversation. Before that, though, Jesus gives this message. This is in Luke eleven four. We got it up there? He says this, when Jesus heard this, this is the message he gives to the messenger to take back to Mary and Martha. He says, this sickness will not end in death for Lazarus. Okay, now, when you get a prophetic word from Jesus or from anybody, have you ever gotten a word and you just heard that first part I read and you clicked off for the rest of this stuff? You know, it's like, whoo, woo, hallelujah. I got what I wanted. He ain't gonna die. He ain't gonna die. But the prophetic word goes on. Listen to what he says. He, Jesus says, but will bring glory and praise to God this will reveal the greatness of the Son of God by what takes place. What did Jesus want Mary and Martha to hear? Man, you're gonna see the greatness of the Son of God. You're gonna see the glory of God come to your, you're gonna see something you've never seen in your life. But all they heard was he ain't gonna die, okay? So the disciples who are like us, just everyday folks, they didn't usually get it the first round. And so they're talking among themselves and they say, well, Jesus, don't you think we ought to go, you know, go to, he goes, no, let's, let's don't. Let's, let's take a couple more days here where we're at and then uh, we'll revisit it. So the, the messenger goes, goes on, they're having this conversation and in, uh, he tells his disciples finally on the third day, it's gonna take a whole day to get there, be four days by the time they get there. He says, all right, come, it's time to go to Bethany. Have have you ever noticed how sometimes, this is a good example, how Jesus' conduct contradicts love according to our definition of love? What are we after? Oh, pat me on the back, pamper me. Jesus saying, listen, here's the deal. I'm looking to Father. I'm asking him, what are you doing, Dad? I want to join what you're doing here. I'm not looking at circumstances. I'm looking at people. I'm not taking a vote among the disciples. I'm not even going to be swayed by my good friends, Mary and Martha, I, and I love Lazarus, but I'm going to do what the Father tells me to do. And so they have this conversation, and the Somebody mentions this, well, I don't know. Maybe we ought not even go by. <laughs> they said, you know, the last time we were in Bethany and, and in that area, it's just a couple miles from Jerusalem. It didn't go well, Jesus. You remember they tried to stone you? And Jesus, Jesus answers this way. Look at this. This is in um, verses uh, nine through 11. Listen to what he says. Jesus says, Are there not 12 hours of daylight in every day? Yes, Jesus. You can go through a day without fear of stumbling when you walk in the one who gives light to the world, but you're gonna stumble when the light is not in you for you're walking in the dark. And Jesus said, Lazarus, our friend, has just fallen asleep. It's time to go. Awaken him. Again, when Jesus speaks to them, what do they hear? They heard the back end of the prophetic word there. It's like, oh, Jesus, he's fallen asleep. We're, we're gonna go wake him up, okay? But what is, what is the important thing that Jesus is saying here? He's saying, listen, when you are in the Father, the one, the one who's created the light, when you're walking in the light, you're gonna be fine. It's whenever you move away from Father's agenda into your own strength that you're bumbling and stumbling in darkness. Can you, I get an Amen. And he's saying, listen, we need to do things God's way. The wonder of it all and the danger of it all. See, Jesus' perspective is so radically different than his disciples, than Mary and Martha's. And you're gonna see some other characters come into the picture here. So verse 12 says, when they heard this, the disciples replied, Lord, if if he's just falling asleep, he'll get better. They presumed he was talking about natural sleep. And I tell you, when you're reading the scripture, whenever we're speaking of spiritual things, when God speaks to us, it's always in metaphor. It's always in simile. It's always in a way, it's language that we can understand. When you're describing God, how do you describe God? He's a rock, he's a fortress. Is God really a rock or a fortress? No, but that's how we describe him because it's his strength, it's his power, it's his protection, it's who he is. And so Jesus is using language that, well, you know, he's, he's falling asleep, but he's gonna be awakened and they're, go, they're taking him literally and he's saying, the next verse, let's take a look at that. The next verse he says in verse 14, Jesus made it plain to them. He says, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead and for your sake I'm glad I wasn't there because now you have another opportunity to see who I am so that you can learn to trust me come let's go see him what was the message that he originally gave them he says this is going to happen to bring glory and praise to God and reveal the greatness of the son of God he says I'm glad this has happened not because of my, my friend but because I want you to get the bigger picture of what I'm trying to give to you and I tell you, a lot of times we're going through stuff in our life, and God's after something totally different than we are. Hello? Yeah. You know, it's like, man, I just need to get through this so I can get on to what I have on, the daytime, on my daytime, on my calendar, on, and he's going, what? This is the main thing. Yeah. How many of you ever prayed the prayer? Jesus, you can interrupt my day. Anybody ever pray that prayer? How'd that go for you? Because see, the things that are important on his heart are seldom the things that are important on our heart. Because we really want, we want safe, protection, predictable. We want all those things. And he's going, hey, you say with your lips, you want the adventure of a lifetime. You want your life to count for something. And yet, you won't go out of the house. Hello? And so he's having that conversation with the disciples, and it says, "Thomas, <laughs> I love Thomas. Thomas is—he's doubting, but but he's devoted, <laughs> right? He's going. I guess we'll all just go get killed with him, you know. Come on, let's go, you know. And, then, and, all, and all the rest of are following. Okay, let's go. And I'm thinking, well, you know, Thomas, that's not quite right, but at least you're devoted, <laughs> right, right." Like, Okay, we're gonna go off the mountain with you, Jesus. So, so they get there. And when they get there, it says that their friends, Mary and Martha had, uh, the friends of Mary and Martha come to the region there, they're consoling them. And and before Jesus gets there, he's just outside the village. Word comes to Martha and Martha goes to Jesus. She meets him outside of the village and, and she has this conversation, verse 21 says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd only come sooner, my, my brother wouldn't have died. That's her perspective on the deal. Jesus, if you'd have just come sooner. Have you ever had that conversation with Jesus? Jesus, if you'd have just come through a little sooner. Now it's, it's beyond hope, beyond hope. Yeah, the, the kid's already left the house and it was an ugly fight and he ain't ever coming back. If you'd just come sooner, Jesus. Jesus goes, I get to decide when it's over. I get, I get to make that decision. You don't get to make that decision. So I'm also going through stuff right now, God's saying to you right now where you're sitting, you don't get to make that decision. You trust me. You trust me. You trust me." What did Jesus tell his disciples? He says, "I, I want you to see who I am and trust in me. I want you to get that childlike, wide-eyed wonder that says. I trust you beyond what I understand. And so Jesus begins to have conversation with Martha. He told her, your brother will rise and live, just like that original message. And she says, yeah, I know, I know. know, Like everybody else, when the resurrection comes, he's gonna come. Listen to this. This is in verse 25. Do we have verse 25 up there? Listen to this. Jesus said, Martha, you don't have to wait until then look at your neighbor and say, you don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection. I am life eternal. Anyone who clings to me in faith, anyone who embraces me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. And the one who lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha, do you trust me? I love what Martha says in the next verse. She said, "Yes, Lord, you know I do. I've always believed that you are the Anointed One, the Son of God, who will come to the world for us." Do you, you get how big a statement that is that she's just made? I've always believed that you're the Anointed. I've always believed you're the Son of God. You're the Messiah. She's in she's in rare air. Very small company that would say that. She says, "I've always believed that." She hurries off. She gets her sister Mary, and Mary, you know, Mary's back home. She's uh, she take, as soon as sister gets there though Mary, well, she takes off. Mary finds Jesus same place that she was with Martha. She says exactly the same thing. Lord, if you'd been there, my brother, you know he he would not have died. And then here's the good stuff. Jesus in verse 33 and following. Jesus said, looks at Martha. He saw her weeping. and let that let that get in your heart. And he he just sees his friend, the worshiper. She's weeping at his feet over the loss of her brother. All the friends are there with her grieving. And Jesus shuddered with emotion. It's deeply moved with tenderness and compassion. Said, so "Where where did they bury him?" She said, "Lord, come with us, we'll show you." and tears streamed down Jesus' face. I memorized that verse when I was a little kid in Sunday school, we had to come up with one and, and, and the King James said, Jesus wept. It was the shortest one in the Bible, so I memorized that. <laughs> Jesus wept. You know what that's saying? That's saying Jesus is our high priest. He, can go th- he, he empathizes with every single thing that we're going through. There's never been anything that any of us have gone through that he's not experienced, that he's not gone through with you, that he's not going through with you. He's weeping with you. He's showing compassion. That word compassion means together we struggle. He's struggling with you, he's walking side by side with you. He's weeping with his good friend, Mary, the worshiper. It says, In verse 40, it says, seeing Jesus weep caused many of the mourners to say, look how much he loved Lazarus. Yet others said, isn't this the one who opens blind eyes? Why didn't he do something to keep Lazarus from dying? Which group do you identify with? Are you with the mourners who say, wow, look how much Jesus loves us, me, whatever loved one that you've lost. Wow. Are you one of those, what if he could have? You know, you know why didn't he do something? Are you in that category? That speaks a lot about how you see Jesus. Do you see him as goodness? We sing about goodness Today, the goodness of God. Do we really see Him as good in every situation? Sometimes we get in circumstances that are way above our pay grade and we try to evaluate in real time what's going on and we have not a clue. Can I get an amen? The best thing we can do is say, God, I trust you. Wide eyed, childlike wonder and faith. Jesus says, with intense emotions came to the tomb, the cave where the stone was placed. And and, uh, he said, roll roll the stone. That's what he tells them. Martha says, oh, Lord, it's been four days since he died. By now the body's already decomposing. King James, by now he stinketh. (laughs) Verse 40, Jesus looked at her and said, didn't I tell you that if you will believe in me, you will see God unveil His power. That's a prophetic word for us in 2022. If we'll believe Him, we will see Him unveil His power. I believe that. I believe we're going to see things in this year and the years coming that that whoa whoa never never seen that in a lifetime. Never even dreamed that in a lifetime. I believe, I believe raising of the dead. I think all of those things that, that we look at and go, Jesus said, you know what? You just trust me. You're gonna see greater things than these. So, and so they roll the heavy stone away. Verse 43, we got that. Verse 43, then with a loud voice, Jesus shouted, Lazarus! come out of the tomb. And he did. A dead man, absent of life, didn't have the breath of the Spirit of God. He didn't have God's breath in him. The breath has come back. Now he comes out, it's interesting, he comes out, he's mummified, right? And I mean he, he's just kind of hopping out, you know. He's just trying his best to get out, you know. He's trying to get out. And when he gets there, he's got life, but he doesn't have much quality of life. Hello? There's some of us here today, you got life, but the quality of your life is not what it ought to be. You know why? You got grave clothes on. You're disabled. You can't, you can't do the things that you were created to do. And so what does Jesus tell the friends to do? He tells the friends to unwrap him. There might be somebody here today, many somebodies today, that need some friends to just say, I will help you get free. I love you. I will pray with you. I will do whatever it takes to walk with you to get free. And look what happens here says, from that day forward, many of those who came to visit Mary believed in Jesus for they had seen with their very own eyes this amazing miracle. But a few went back to inform the Pharisees of what Jesus had done. Again, we have two different groups here. We've got believers who'd say with, with wide-eyed wonder, oh Jesus, you are not a tame lion but I believe in you. I trust my life to you. I re, or even better, I receive the life that is you. But there's another group. You can call it what you want. The blasphemers, the informants, the religious informants. They go back and they are the preservers of the religious institution that does not act so, so inappropriately. You know, like saving lives and raising the dead and stuff like that. Chapter 12, you thought you were through, didn't you? Chapter 12 finishes the story well, though. It's now six days before Passover. Jesus, in a week's time, will go to the cross. He will die for the forgiveness of all mankind. He will spill his blood and pour out his spirit so that we might be new creations. But where does he choose to spend that last week of his life? Right there in Bethany. And at the table, it says, is Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Jesus has got his disciples. Mary does the Mary thing. She pulls out a flask of oil that is worth tens of thousands of dollars. She pours it on Jesus and she wipes his feet with her hair. Judas, I I like what it says in the Passion. It says, Judas the locksmith. Do you know that's what Iscariot means? Linguistically to lock or locksmith. Apparently he held the key to the the lockbox for the funds of Jesus' ministry. We're told he was the he was the treasurer, the lockbox, the locksmith. And Jesus says, Oh, no, 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 this is a bad, oh, bad, bad thing. We could have saved all that money with that. If we'd have sold that alabaster jar, we could have gotten all this money to give to the poor. And it says, Judas did not have the poor in mind when he said this. Now, here's the part I want you to catch. Verse nine says this, when the word got out that Jesus was not far from Jerusalem, a large crowd came out to see him. Right there in Bethany. But they also wanted to see Lazarus, the man Jesus raised from the dead. This prompted the chief priests to seal their plans away, to, do, to seal their plans to do away with. You know what that means, right? Do away with it, snuff him out, get rid of him, get him as far as you can. Get rid of both Jesus and Lazarus. That's called dangerous. That's dangerous wonder. And it says, for the miracle testimony was incontrovertible and persuaded many of the Jews living in Jerusalem to believe in Jesus. Let's wrap this up. What is God saying to you this morning? There might be some of you here this morning that in this story, the part that you can't get past is the deadness of Lazarus, absent of life. You know your life. You you need to be awakened in your spirit. You need the breath of God's life. You need to come alive to be fully alive. You need to be born again, the Bible says. You just need to simply say, Jesus, I need you. If that's you, I want you to just lift your hand. You, you say, I need Jesus. I, I, I'm dead. I wanna be alive. I wanna give my life to Jesus. Anybody here? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. Anyone else? Okay. In a minute, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ask, I'm gonna ask right now our, our prayer team, if you'd just come down here and I want you to share that need that you have either with somebody you came with or one of these prayer people here in just a minute and say, you know what? I need life. I want to give my life to Jesus. More so, I wanna receive his life, his forgiveness of my sin. We've got people gonna be up front. We have some there in the back there if you wanna go to. Second group here today though are those of you who are disabled. You've got grave clothes on. You you would say, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, I wanna be free from whatever. Whatever it is in your life. I mean, it, it could be a physical ailment, It could be uh, some kind of addiction that you have. It could be whatever the Lord, Holy Spirit is speaking to you and just come totally confidential, say, would you agree with me for my freedom? Help me get my grave clothes off. I want to be free. And then there are those of you here today that just need to make a stand and say, I want to be dangerous. I want to live with the kind of abandon that says, you know, Lazarus had already been killed, right? What were they gonna do, kill him again? You think he was scared of dying again? You know? So, so if you're here today and say, you know what? I wanna, I, wanna, I wanna go all in today. I want you just to stand to your feet if, if that's you and you'd say, I want to say, I'm saying to you, Lord, I want to be dangerous. I want you just to stand to your feet, okay? And I, pray, I just wanna pray over you guys and then I'm gonna invite the rest of you. you, can, you can, maybe you're in one of those categories and you say, yeah, I wanna be dangerous, but first of all, I need to come alive or I need to get free of some grave clothes. So I just wanna pray over us corporately and then we're just gonna give this time to the Lord, okay? Yeah. I want you just to put your hand on the person next to you, okay? Yeah, just make this a family affair here. Lord, we just say we can't get free except one another. We help one another, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died, that we might be fully alive. God, give courage to those who just need to say, I want it all right now. Lord, we just are declaring to you, Lord, I want to be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness for the kingdom of God. God, I wanna go all in. I wanna tell you, Lord, I I am not going to play it safe, predictably, comfortably in my beliefs. Lord, I, I want to live that life of dangerous tension with wonder in my eyes. And so I say, Holy Spirit, empower me to be dangerous for the kingdom of God. Let's just worship the Lord and respond.